0: Hello, America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, I get very, very tired, America, welcome, Uh, people who claim to be constitutionalists who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. They go to the Constitution and they say, you need a declaration of war for virtually every military action you take. Really? That wasn't James Madison's view. And yet we have a commander in chief. A commander in chief doesn't serve at the behest of Congress. So there's some ambiguity. Where there's absolutely no ambiguity is if Congress really wants to prevent a commander in chief from taking military action, they have the power of the purse. In this, there is no dispute. So Congress has the power to cut off funding. Now, Congress eventually did that in the Vietnam War, which is how the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong won over Gerald Ford's veto. They prevented any more funds to be used prosecuting the Vietnam War. So Congress has that power without dispute. The problem is, for many of these phony constitutionalists, they don't have the votes to do that. They don't have the votes. Presidents have declared, gone to Congress, and have declared war, and presidents have not. Now, in many ways, it's like what Justice Potter Stewart said about pornography. I know it when I see it. That is, if you're going to have an all-out war, you need to declare war. And one of the main reasons you need to do that is to get the body politic behind you and get the American people behind you. Get American industry, the economy, the media behind a war effort. But you can't declare war every time terrorists attack the United States or every time a terrorist state through its surrogates or Congress will be passing nothing but declarations of war. The economy will be focused on war and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So how do we know? Well, Congress has addressed it really since our beginning. They've passed many laws to try and decide and interpret with presidential signatures what it means. And under what circumstance? And under what circumstance? Now, it would seem to me, America, when the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran hits us for the 166th damn time that Joe Biden's appeasement has provoked war against us by the Iranian regime, which was rearmed by Biden, which was funded by Biden with the flow of oil coming back, just as Hamas and UNRWA was funded by Biden, even after Trump cut it off. Just like the PLO was funded by Biden, even after Trump cut it off. They keep talking about, we don't want war with Iran. Their response to Iran killing three of our soldiers and injuring over 40, it was only a matter of time, is we don't want war, and we don't want to expand what's going on in the Middle East. But they have expanded what's going on in the Middle East. And Iran wants war and Iran wants nukes. And so what they've seen under Biden for almost three years straight now is not just appeasement, but absolute selling out. You don't give your enemy money. You cut off money directly or indirectly. And you sure don't keep saying we don't want war. We don't want to expand the conflict. If you don't want war and you don't want to expand the conflict, the enemy has to guess. The enemy has to fear. The enemy has to respect you. You don't keep telling him what a coward you are. You have to make them guess and wonder. But even better, you punch a bully in the nose. Now, maybe some of these so-called constitutionalists have never been in a fight. And I'm not even talking about a military fight, but a real fight. What we have here are the howlings of libertarian isolationists and left-wing anti-Americans. When three Americans are killed by the enemy, over 40 are injured. We have an obligation to defend our troops, not to debate it, to defend them. What's going on here now with Biden is outrageous. There should have been an immediate response and anticipation of something like this. Why? Because everybody, including me behind this microphone and in front of the Fox camera, in front of the Blaze camera, has said our troops, somebody's going to get killed. And they're not even ready for it. And so now we debate for two or three days. Well, I don't want to provoke. We're not going to war. I mean, it's a declaration of war. There's this. No wonder young people don't want to sign up to join the United States military. With the a-holes on Capitol Hill between the libertarian isolationists and the left-wing anti-Americans, we're attacked. Our people are killed. And we have to think about it. No, I have a better idea. We have to pretend the Constitution requires that we have a declaration of war To defend in real time are men and women who've been killed. Three people were killed, by the way, all African-Americans from Georgia. One was 46, one was 24, one was 23. Patriots. Patriots. Was Ronald Reagan purposely defying the Constitution? When in 19, I think it was 87, destroyed half the Iranian Navy? He didn't go to Congress and say, I need a declaration of war. He said, "You set mines. It hit one of our freighters, and now I'm going to punish your ass." And that's what he did. Now there's the War Powers Act. He can notify Congress, and it has all kind of triggers in it. Make sure Congress has information. Supreme Court has upheld it. So this has been somewhat of a struggle, even from the founding time to today. Exactly when do you have to do it? So people throw down the gauntlet, and say like our buddy Mass and our buddy Lee. Oh, no, no, you got to declare war in every instance. That's insane. It's inaccurate. And it's going to get a lot of people killed. That's not what the Constitution compels. If you guys have a problem with us defending ourselves, you say the president has to seek a declaration of war. You have the power to go to the floor of the Senate. You have the power to go to the floor of the House and say we need to vote. On whether they fund this or not. And see if they have the votes. But you don't. You don't because you don't. Now let's stop playing games. This is part of the problem. Every now and then we get people. Why does he talk so much about the Middle East and Israel? Because World War III is upon us. It's upon us with communist China. And it's upon us with Iran. That's why. Because we just lost soldiers. That's why. And we are not prepared for what's coming, especially with this nimrod, this bonehead in the Oval Office who does exactly the wrong thing every single time. And I've had it with this guy, Kirby. Kirby, what a propagandist buffoon that guy is. We have this group UNRA. This group was set up under the UN for the specific purpose of helping to educate, feed and clothe and house the Palestinian refugees in Gaza. Now, why are there Palestinian refugees in Gaza? Did somebody stop the Palestinians in Gaza from creating a vibrant society? Yes, Hamas, Islamic Jihad. No, no, it's the Jews stop them, don't you know? They're so bad, the United Nations. Remember all these cases, the Blue Hats in Africa, they were raping the girls. The Blue Hats. The UN is poison. It's a hellhole. Makes the bar scene at Star Wars look really, you know, highbrow. And the Israelis have warned 1,300 of the people who work for UNRWA are sympathetic or actively supporting Hamas in one way or another. Kirby goes to the microphone and he says, you know, there's like 10,000 people there with UNRWA. And you only have 13. You only have 13? And I thought to myself, you know what, if I had been a reporter there and I would have said to Kirby... Really? Only 13 who participated in October 7th? Well, be glad it wasn't your wife or your daughter, assuming you have a wife or a daughter, because then, then I'd think it would get your attention. I despise people like this who'd speak out of both sides of their mouth and then out of their ass. I despise it. I despise the idiot, the regular spokesperson. You get no information from these people. And it's constantly election time propaganda. I mean, the biggest story of last week, shockingly, was at Axios, which I can't stand. But there it was. Barack Rabin, Two senior American officials on a phone call between Biden and Netanyahu for 40 minutes. Biden said, you got to end this because there's elections coming up. How come that transcript isn't released? How come that transcript isn't leaked? Wouldn't you like to read that? So for Joe Biden, the life and death of the state of Israel and the Jewish people is about his election. Look what's going on now with our people in the Middle East. I told you before, they're sitting ducks. He's not defending them. You can't hit pinprick the the Houthis. And Iran's going to sit there and say, okay, you keep shooting, as Michael Waltz said on Fox today, you keep shooting $2 Two million dollar missiles to shoot down $40,000 drones. You can't keep that up for too long. And that's what's going on. But you can do the research I've done over the decades on the declaration of war, part of the Constitution. You can do it yourself. The declare war clause. We don't have a lot of judicial decisions. We have a few. We have one in 1863, the prize cases. Held Abraham Lincoln. Blockading the Southern states uh, without a dec- without further authorization from Congress, you can look at the eighteen hundred case, Bass versus Tingey, talks about Congress's broad powers, but it doesn't give any guidance to a president, and nor should it. The courts really shouldn't be deciding these matters. But to throw down a gauntlet, say the president has no power to do this or that. Our problem with this president is he won't use his power properly whether securing the border or defeating our enemies. Our military is deteriorating to a point of absolute weakness. Our border has deteriorated to a point of not being a border. Our men and women in uniform know the commander-in-chief doesn't have their back, whether it's Afghanistan or now in the Middle East. Wokeism, DEI, that's the corner of the realm. And I'm not going to sit here and listen to people who are my friends, Massey and Lee and going about how the Constitution prevents, you know, response to this without a declaration of war. Bull oh, crap. You guys even know what the hell you're talking about? Well, if we hit Iran, hit Iran. You don't have to hit them all over the place. Hit them hard enough. We've got presidents who've done it, including Reagan, Mr. Constitution, and it worked, but we're going to keep losing soldiers. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. We're going to be uh, covering a lot today, so I'm going to move on At the bottom of the hour. Matt Taibbi has written a fantastic piece about how plotting and scheming is already taking place in the Democrat ranks among their lawyers and professors and all the rest of them. Should Trump actually win the election if they can't stop him? Then they plan to undermine his administration as far and as hard and as fast as they possibly can. So this is this is where we are. You can't win an election and actually have four years running an administration. They did this to Trump before with the impeachments, with the criminal investigations. And look now, 91 charges, the civil cases, on and on and on. So Matt Taibbi will be coming on. I'm going to circle back to this issue. I'd be happy to debate anybody in Congress who wants to debate me right here on this air. I'll be right back. The only constitutional lawyer you can see today for free. No appointment necessary. Just call him at 877-381-3811. Matt Taibbi, uh, a number of you first learned of him or knew about him, but learned a lot about him through the Twitter episode where members of Congress, Democrats, were trying to shut him up, made accusations about him and his profession, and the next thing you know is the IRS is knocking on his door. I bet that didn't feel very good, did it, Mr. Taibbi? <laughs> uh,
1: it was a little surprising, uh, you know, and not that doesn't happen very often to reporters. So, yeah, that was that was weird.
0: I want to thank you for everything you're doing, because it does take guts these days, because a guy like you, you know, you're viewed as he was on this side. Now he's on that side. He's a traitor. My view of you is that you're trying to bring information to the public, and you're getting very nervous about this growing police state and these tactics and all the rest of it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but that's how I'm reading what you're doing. And I see this piece in Racket News, and I spread it all over the world after my wife gave it to me. I said, what the hell? Are we Are going to go through this damn thing again? you want to tell everybody what you've revealed and what you have found here, please?
1: Well, there, about in 2020, in the summer of 2020, there was a big media blitz about a thing called the Transition Integrity Project. It had roughly 100 people involved with it, some pretty well-known people like John Podesta, Donna Brazil, the current Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm. And they contested, they they sort of war-gamed, contested election scenarios. And due to a fluke, they were forced to leak their final report where it came out that they were The the, sort of the Democratic side was planning scenarios where they might want to ignore a legal Trump win. And that same group appears to be getting together again. There was a story in in NBC a couple of weeks ago. It's the same umbrella organization. It's slightly different personnel, but it looks like the same general exercise of reconstituting itself.
0: So, what are they doing? Uh, First of all, I understand from people I talk to that this guy, and you you have him in here, this guy else, they're back into the states trying to alter campaign laws, trying to do so under the radar to affect, they hope, a better outcome for the Democrat Party. Is that part of it?
1: Yeah. And this is part of the whole transformation of kind of the left liberal advocacy space. As you mentioned, you know, I kind of came up. In that world, you know, I, I, I was a lot of my sources were at groups like Public Citizen and Crew once upon a time. But that was back in the early 2000s when these groups were not so heavily politicized. In the Trump era, all of these groups have become essentially what you call lawfare organizations. They're dedicated to filing litigation, mainly things like FPC complaints, doing whatever they can try to prevent other people from getting on the ballot, not just Donald Trump, but people in the third party, No Labels Group, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., other Democratic Party candidates. So there is a huge infrastructure of these groups that's out there now, and they're led by people, as you mentioned, like Mark Elias, who was Hillary Clinton's lead lawyer in 2016.
0: And there was this letter that went out that you quote here that's Pretty damn bad. I mean, uh, anybody who... Tell us about this letter.
1: You mean the no labels one? Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So basically, there was a Zoom meeting involving a series of these pro-democratic NGOs, basically. And they were issuing a general warning to anybody who might want to think about running on a third-party label against Joe Biden, they're saying if you have even a, a fingernail of a skeleton in your in your closet, we're going to find it. If you think you've been vetted for a run for governor, that's you're insane. That's nothing compared to what's going to happen to you this time around. We made that mistake before with people, you know, like Gary Johnson. We're not going to make that mistake again. So they're very very intent on making sure that nobody has a chance to compete against Joe Biden next year now obviously there are seats against donald trump but they've they've never gone to this extent to make sure that third party candidates and intramural challengers uh, can't challenge to this extent before
0: you know matt taibbi write this piece it's incredibly thorough you list names you list organizations you list sources and on and on and on and you know it's amazing maybe i missed something Nobody picks it up. How, yeah, it's like, what the hell is this? You've just laid out a massive—I don't know—conspiracy or effort. It's just a sleazeball operation, and it's going to have an effect on this election. It's going to have an effect if Donald Trump wins this election. We're going to again be at pistol aim at each other, and they don't say a damn thing about it. What do you make of that?
1: Well, this has been going on, you know, in the last year or so since the Twitter files. When when we saw in the Twitter files that there was this elaborate system where where the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the Officer of the Director of National Intelligence, where they were liaising with all these internet platforms and universities like Stanford to engage in some very sophisticated, you know, very organized content moderation, political content, censorship. I thought that was a huge story. I thought that would, everybody would have to pick that up because, you know, mm-hmm. no matter what they thought politically, and there was nothing. It was like you could hear a pin drop after we put that story out. And that's just the world we live in now. You know, I mean, I, I grew up in an era where reporters were not supposed to care how the information broke and who hurt, was hurt by it and who was helped by it. But that's not where we are in the media now. Things are different. And you just, we just have to get used to that.
0: If not this whole umbrella group, certainly elements of it, as you point out
1: in your article,
0: have been involved in this ballot issue, the 14th amendment, section three. This was considered, I'm a constitutional, that was considered like an idea of the, of the lunatics. And yeah. it's mainstreamed and then crew takes it up. These other groups take it up. They start litigating it. Now it's like the centerpiece. I mean, even, even some lawyers who are not Trump supporters, no, no this ain't cutting it. And yet, they really do move the narrative, don't they?
1: Yes. And, and not only are they interested in that particular section of the 14th Amendment, they're also very, very interested in using the, the, the Klan Act as a tool, for social change. The lead counsel for this group, Protect Democracy, which was pro- profiled by NBC, they put out a, um, an editorial in the New York Times earlier in September of last year talking about how we have to start using the Klan Act more as to affect social change, not just for civil rights cases and in big cities and police abuse cases. And they when I looked, they, they had started to do it. You know, going back to 2017, you'll find all of these Klan Act suits that were filed for things as ridiculous as Russiagate. And these are highly, as you know, I mean, if you're, as an attorney, these are highly punitive, you know, sort of ty- types of litigations. And they're just throwing them out willy nilly in all directions. You know, people who haven't been convicted yet for January 6th offenses offenses—they were suing them. This is a thing that's now become part of this lawfare landscape. Is they're they're just using whatever tools they have in the legal kit to go after people on the other side.
0: But doesn't that suggest we have an institutional problem here? Number one, <clears throat> when federal prosecutors pick up this sort of, you know, this this, this sort of club and. Number two, when judges not only entertain it, seem to embrace it. I mean, isn't that isn't that who should be hitting the 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 break on this stuff?
1: Yes, and and in some cases they did. You know, I did find some judges who looked at some of those Klan act cases. One, one of them was really funny, this summing up the case saying that the plaintiff's complaint was far from a model of clarity. I mean, you don't often see judges actually picking on the, the lawyers in in their decisions, but there is a section of the judiciary now that is embracing these kinds of tactics. And, you know, we're in a new world where everything is politicized and they're filing them in such quantities that if they lose even 30 or 40 percent of them, it doesn't matter. Some of them are going to go through. And that's kind of the strategy with these 14th Amendment cases. They didn't win every one of them, but they, they won enough to make the headlines they go to the supreme court and they're going to keep at it and they're going they're going to apply pressure to every part of the electoral process including you know mail-in voting requirements you proof of citizenship for for foreign voting i mean everything they're they're going to do and they have the money to do it that's the difference Marco. i don't know if you know i mean going back to the early bush years the left was always broke they're not anymore
0: <laughs> Now the republicans are broke
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's a lot of money in this world, and it's all going to lawyers, and they're not the old school, like ponytail wearing former public defenders anymore. These are all people who used to work for the Justice Department, the CIA, the National Security Council. They are purpose driven attorneys who are making real salaries to file political suits, and that's what they do.
0: You know, when you look at this and you delve into this and you live this, it's depressing, isn't it? Very depressed God, I don't know how we pull back from
1: this, do you i I don't you know I think this is this is a, a very difficult time because you know the world is so polarized and everybody has their own individualized way of receiving media so i, I often talk to people who are former friends of mine or, or colleagues and I, and I'll try to bring up some of this stuff, and they will have never heard of it because y- you will not read anything any of these things if you read the new york times or the Wall, MSNBC. snbc so you know on that side of the aisle you're just not going to get this information and i, I worry about that which, which that you know both segments of america are in media bubbles and we're not we're not getting the facts out to the public which is unfortunate
0: my problem with all this is they keep talking about democracy and they use the least democratic approach to trying to influence elections, change the outcomes of elections to torment and threaten in this letters, tormenting and threatening people dare to think about third party. But you win an election and you never win an election. It never ends. Right. Am I it, right. It's, just, it's just now how do we destroy the guy? Now, how do we get a case going against the guy? Now, how do we impeach the guy? Now, how do we go after his staff? Now, how do we do this? How do we break them financially? How do you've got people sitting around destroying any kind of comity, comedy, or traditions? That, I mean, you look—we've had big battles in this country. I've been part of them, but you go back to the Civil War. Now, this is different. This is like an attack on the voting system, on 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 the institutions of of, of democracy. I mean, this is this is for keeps. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we started to see, I think, this in Congress and, you know, the two thousand, the late 2000s, early 2010. You know, there used to be some collegiality between the two sides. No matter what they said about each other during the week, they would get together at barbecues over the weekend, and that's how they would hash out legislation. They would the, the, the important decisions would get made. Now, you know, there's this politics of personal destruction that is everywhere, and there is no subterranean communication whatsoever between either of the sides. And these new organizations that are being built—they're not—they're not being built to uh, to make change for everybody. Like you know, like these old groups, like the ACLU or the League of Women Voters, like they used to do things like try to integrate the workplace or end housing discrimination, and that would be positive for everybody. That's not what these groups are doing now they're they're doing things like trying to file f e c complaints or bar complaints against lawyers who represented trump this It's war you know that that's what it is it's not It's not a liberalizing institution and i I think it can't lead to anywhere good this kind of behavior as as you know you know if you have a law degree and you want to make trouble, you can do it very easily
0: mm-hmm. yeah, the lawyers we've heard about. But some what some fascists and Marxists have said what they would do as soon as they take over with the lawyers. I want to thank you for everything you're doing. Really. You're a straight shooter. That's what you're doing. And I'm going to keep promoting it to my little audience as much as we possibly can. So I appreciate and appreciate what you're doing.
1: Thanks so much, Mark. I really appreciate having me on.
0: <laughs> take God, God bless. Take care. That guy's he sees what's going on. And he's and, and he's worried. God knows we're worried. I just wish more people on the other side would speak out and are worried. They don't seem to be all that worried. I'll be right back. love, in Three minutes. Let me do something nobody else can do. No, not that, Mr. Producer. Let's say the president gets word that Russia is about to fire a nuclear missile at us. Do we have to go to Congress, get a declaration of war to respond? Of course not, Mark. Okay. Let's say he gets word that Russia is planning to do it in twelve hours. Does he have to go to Congress? No. Let's say they plan to do it in thirty-six hours or forty-eight hours, and the word comes back, and they're they're getting all ready, they're firing up the engines. But they're holding back. Does he have to go to Congress? But if he goes to Congress, he might alert the the enemy that we know about it, rather than hit that spot to prevent it. Does he have to go to Congress? He's the commander-in-chief. And what the libertarian isolationists and the hate America crowd don't understand is that this is a little bit more complicated than they think. Even... Interpreting the Constitution doesn't give them exactly what they want. And then they start with the barbs. Oh, you're for war. Not for war? Why the hell would I be for war? I've got kids and grandkids. Why would I be for war? Meanwhile, three people who did volunteer to serve are dead. And the libertarian isolationists and the hate America crowd are debating whether we should do anything or get a declaration of war. That's insane. And that will result in a whole lot more dead troops. This is a terrorist country. It's a country that's been spreading terror. That has slaughtered Jews, slaughtered Americans. You see, tunnel, tunnel, tower, tunnel, two towers, and all these other groups. Not just Afghanistan, Iran is responsible for a lot of that, folks. We, if we don't build up our military and change the psychosis at the Defense Department. And stop listening to the libertarian isolationists and the hate America crowd. We're going to be in a war and we're going to
1: lose.